Under the Bar podcast. Just when you, oh, you think yeah, you're, baby. you're ready for everything, you actually realise that you're not. Now, Rawdon, we don't have time to fluff around on this episode. No. There's, we've got a lot a lot of stuff to get through. We've got to squeeze it in somehow. We've got it's very, tight in here in the Millennium Noggin. <laughs> it's tight. The shag pile between the toes. Right, Nasty. now our special guest on the program today... Rawdon is Coach Jake Carter. Yeah, now l- a long-time uh, listener, first-time uh, guest. Guest. Really enjoyed this discussion. Yeah. It's been a while since we've dipped our toes in the functional world. Into the Vinny world. Yeah, and uh, that world Dr. of Vinesh. witch doctory that we mm. do enjoy. And look, it's a nice refresher on just how important these fundamental yes. quality of life, lifestyle things yep. are, you yep. know, really are. Just the health of the gut and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think... Not taking anything away, big picture, calorie balance, you know, move more, that type of stuff. But, but when you dig a little deeper, I think all these things are super, super important. And uh, a few little tweaks here and there, and mm. your quality of life can be greatly enhanced. So, really cool interview. Yeah. So we'll be going to Jay Carter very shortly. He's got. Um, you can go to www.coachjakecarter.com to have a bit of a sniff around him. Yeah. He's got a couple of uh, functional nutrition courses. He does a yeah. level one and a level two. And he does look, some mentoring as well. I think yeah. you can mentor with him. And he's a decent rig too. He, he certainly practices what he preaches. So for uh, coaches out there, if you enjoy what he's got to say, it might mm. be worth having a bit of a sniff around, as I say. Yeah, and he also, uh, I think he we, he may get uh, down under at some stage. So mm. um, yeah, exciting times ahead. Speaking of down under, now we did obviously have the evil genius Broderick Chavez down under mm. earlier this year, Rawdon, for a seminar series. Bigger than Ben-Hur, that one. Yep, we worked in conjunction with Flex Success. And off the back of that, we've produced an online product which is basically we recorded the Brisbane seminar mm. and then we've sectioned it up and put it on an online learning platform. platform. Yep. And so it, you can go through it in course format. Section we, by section you can... And it's all transcribed as well, I think. Yes. So all it's transcribed. all the bells and whistles. Good thing with the transcription is if he's talking about technical stuff, you can get in there and maybe highlight or copy yeah. a section of the text Put that in, in another document yep. or an email if you're yep. working with a client. Copy and paste, throw Copy it on Instagram, say, hey, this is my <laughs> thoughts on, uh, yes. you know, be one of those, the coaches that uh, yeah. motivate. That doesn't happen on yeah. Insta, that yeah, type of yeah. stuff. Um, now, there are six modules, uh, 10 videos, diet strategies for bodybuilding, powerlifting, strongman, cardiovascular training, periodization and training mm-hmm. concepts. Mm-hmm. Diet strategies for contest prep. I'm not sure if I said that. Mm. You know, Mate, peak, the bells peak and week, So much stuff in there. Mm. Basically, if you go to evilgeniusdownunder.com, you can get a free module. <laughs> That's what we're doing. So the free module available. So you can Very get, cool. I think it's... Um, Don't give one of the good ones. Periodization and training concepts part one is okay. what you get as the free module. Now, we have a little excerpt to play from that. which We, we do, and we also say that although it is, you know, for the... the if that's not your demographic, there's still some pretty good uh, biology, physiology yes. basics in uh, everything that Broderick always does. He always mm. throws it out to that big picture type stuff. So even if you, you don't work with the strong man, the, you know, the bodybuilder, the physique prep, uh, that, that sort of demographic, mm. uh, I dare say you'd still get a lot of value out of uh, what, he, what he talks about. You certainly would. And in fact, that reminds me, we did pre-seminar material, mm-hmm. which covered a lot of those basics. So there's a three-section ah. bonus modules that you get, which is... Oh, that's part of it as well. Yeah, they get, they get that as well. Oh, well so that's um, 
Human Biology 101. Systems in there. Systems of the body, yep. hormones of the systems. So that Mate. in itself is probably worth uh, the 150 or 200 bucks or whatever it is. Very so eviljeniusdownunder.com for all of this. Let's have a little listen to Brods talking about, this is a section from the periodization and training concepts. We'll come off the back okay. of this and give our own thoughts. It's been consistently shown that anabolic steroids and testosterone, androgens of all kinds, diminish your need on a gram per kilogram ratio. A drug user can get away with less protein per body weight than a, a natural. The same thing applies to load on the bar. Most of the studies done in relation to natural athletes suggest that you need a minimum, maximum intensity load on the bar range. And there's a little bit of argument about the bottom number, but consistently somewhere in like the 50 to 75% range. If it's less than 50% of your one RM, it's probably insufficient. And if it exceeds 75%, at least often it's too much, causes some downregulation and overtraining. Just like the protein thing, anabolic steroids, one, generate more result per unit effort. And then secondly, and probably more importantly, allow you to garner results at a lower intensity and tolerate a higher intensity. So there are now some studies coming out. Schoenfeld, a couple other guys have been highlighting them. Literally as low as 30% of one RM can at least transiently generate hypertrophy in a drug user. So what you've got is the ability to get more from the work you do and a broader range of work that will allow you to generate results, which is also why like with the standard kind of periodizing models of people doing three or four weeks up and one week down, I consistently chime in, that's nonsense. You can go eight, even 10 weeks. One, I'm talking about drug users. And two, the reason for that is you can start lower and go higher, which allows for more time. Seems pretty simple to me, but we often have to keep coming back to that. But that's the general premise there is drugs give you a much bigger butter zone of effective hypertrophy. You can use less weight and escalate all the way to much more weight of your one RM. Well, there we have it, Rodden. And we all know that you get a woody once people start oh, talking about yes. butter but zones of hypertrophy. No, I've got the ancient Chinese secret. I've got it tucked, <laughs> mate. You, you wouldn't be able to tell if I no. had a woody or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the yeah. butter zone. All I took out of that was butter. Butter, yes. I'm going to go get some butter. <laughs> yeah, very cool stuff there from Broads. I guess those working percentages, I mean, that makes sense from that natural perspective. You know, you're getting lower than 50% of your 1RM and it's uh, hypertrophy becomes a mind-numbing process so between 50 and 75 percent there but a much broader uh, percentage is when you start working with uh, guys who are using peds yeah i mean um broads uh broads rest reference schoenfeld in there and um and uh you know i guess what i've learned of late is that um certainly across the board independent of of enhancement or not there seems to be depending on how you execute the the training, mm. and I'll elaborate, you can get uh, significant growth from, you know, I think it's as low as, I mean, 40%, you know, down to 30, but if it's anything lower than 30, it just becomes, uh, the intensity is so low, even if you do follow the parameters that I'm going to uh, reference, it just takes so long to get to that point where it's going to generate enough of a stimulus to warrant, you know, increase synthesis and then you have hypertrophy. Mm. Like, so you've got to take a, a, a practicality uh, consideration into things. If the workout goes, you know, four hours, then yeah. yeah, okay, you can get to the point of failure on 20%, but 
you know, A, it's going to take you, you know, four-minute sets to, to get there and generate the level of fatigue that you could easily generate with a higher percentage of 1RM. So that's, mm. I guess, the point of difference. But, but no, the research, as I understand it anyway, it can... Uh, can be driven from as low as that 30 to 40 percent 1RM, but the big difference is, Tommy, is you need to take the the set to a, a, a to or, or very close to a point of failure. Whereas when you're lifting the uh, higher percentages of 1RM, you, you you don't have to take it to the point of failure. In mm-hmm. fact, taking it to the point of failure with the the higher percentage of 1RM, obviously much higher chances of, of injury when you're lifting those much higher loads. A lot more strain on the the, the joints and connective tissue. So there are some caveats that come with with really high percentage 1RM loads. And and also it it, it can be uh, to get the required volume at such a high percentage. You know, if you're doing doubles, you know, you've got to do a billion sets to get enough volume because we know there's a dose-response relationship between hypertrophy and and volume. There has Mm. to be a certain amount of volume to a certain amount of fatigue to the fibers to generate a a hypertrophic response. So um, I would say, yeah, definitely... uh, with enhancement, it, it probably is like Broderick said, you know, a much bigger butter zone, and and maybe you don't have to go to the point of failure when you're hitting those low percentage of one RM. You could just train and and you know do your sets in that, you know, 40 percent one RM, and then do your sets at the you know 80, 85, 90 percent one RM, and and everything generates you know increases in muscle protein synthesis, mm-hmm. and and you know uh, androgens themselves actually stimulate. Uh, so when we train, we stimulate mTOR. Just having, you know, and you know, a, a, an abundance of androgens in the in the system just switches on mTOR. You know, sitting mm. idle. So you independent could, of training. Independent of training. You yeah. know, there's a study where you know one group <laughs> trained their ass off and for 12 weeks, and the other group, you know, dumped 600 megs of test and you know ate burgers and pizza and, and watched TV, and they grew you know three to four kilos of muscle, and the other guys didn't grow a thing. <laughs> you know, so the, the the that's a reality. Mm. So yeah, I mean, from that perspective. And, and look, I mean, Broderick's talking from experience there as well, and, and I'm not going to question what his experience has, has shown. But, but for unenhanced athletes, certainly in the, the research that, that uh, I've seen, that taking the set to the point of failure, and, and fundamentally you're doing much more uh, work, a much, uh, much greater tonnage to get that uh, maximal signal to drive hypertrophy, but it can be comparable, if not uh, superior to the high percentage of 1RM because what they're it's still dubious as to whether it's uh, you can actually preferentially uh, elicit growth in type 1 muscle fibers but the the different big difference is with a, a heavier load and, and a high percentage of 1RM the the slow twitch um, type 1 fibers are, are used you know very uh, you know within a uh, half a half a repetition of a heavy load I mean they're, they're, they've tapped out they have no capacity to generate any contribution to the to the movement and the and the set so it's all type 2b um, fiber recruitment so the mm. type 1 fibers which do uh, can elicit uh, growth they just don't get very much stimulation with the high percentage of 1rm but you know the type 2 fibers are the ones that grow the most so yes. you're not going to really miss out on much by doing it like that but that said if you want to fatigue the type 1 fibers then that is something that is more likely to occur at those light percentages of 1RM aside from the joint and connective tissue benefits so you the 
it only becomes a, a potent driver for hypertrophy and a comparable driver to hypertrophy when you get close to that point of failure. And at mm. that point, the type 1 fibers are starting to fatigue and the type 2 fibers are then coming then in. Come in. Yes. So you get to fatigue type 1s mm. and type 2s and that's where it could be advantageous to certainly to consider and to program aside from the obviously a longer duration you do have to do more work and it can be more believe it or not neuromuscular fatiguing doing that type of work because when you fail at 20 reps where do you go yeah you know yes. you can't like the load's already super light you can't yeah. drop a, a bit of load and belt out another 10 reps you fail at uh, you know six reps then drop the load you can pump out another six drop load pump out another six so the fatigue you generate is actually a little greater with neuromuscular fatigue in the the uh, you know the high Lower metabolic yeah. yeah high metabolic stress work but basically the the rule of thumb is you need to take those sets to or just short of that point of failure whereas the heavy load uh, higher intensity work um, much uh, I guess you know you don't have to take to that point of failure and that's that's the big caveat that each has their advantages but um, if you are programming it just just be aware that they're the general guidelines. Don't have to take it to the point of failure if you're doing high loads. You do have to take it to or close to the point of failure with the light loads. Mm. But um, but interesting that they're they're actually showing now that that both can generate comparable. And I think in one study it was actually a, a greater magnitude of muscle protein synthesis. Uh, and they're talking about myofibula, not not just mixed muscle protein synthesis, because uh, that's the one we want, the myofibrillar gr- uh, growth and hypertrophy. And it was even uh, it's actually better uh, in in the group. But you can't, um, like I said, you can't. It's it's you can't compare, like the volume or tonnage can't be equated. Like it, you got to look at a, a set for set, set for ba- set set for set basis. Yeah. it's got to be equated that way. I think that's the way. The best way to understand it. Best way to understand it. Yeah, yeah it has same. to be that level of mechanical tension reached in the set. In the set. Set it, for set. Set for set. Yep. That's that's where you can compare. Yes. One set at at, at uh, you know a, a six rep. Um, you know, 85, load. Yep. 85%, 90% 1RM, yep. six reps, great, do your set there. Then you might do a 30, 30 to 40, say 40% 1RM, that might be, you know, like 20 reps or something. Um, now, if you were to just do six reps on that, that uh, you know, 40%, then it would in no way, shape or form generate anywhere near the hypertrophy that the six, mm. the high intensity load would be far superior. But when you grind out 6, 12, some fatigue start to build, 15, type 1s are tapping out, type 2s kick in, last 5 reps, get 2 or close to that point of failure, finish the set, done. Both sets have comparable then amounts you've got of comparable hypertrophy. hypertrophy. Yeah, I think that's a, a nice way to understand it. Yeah. Now, you mentioned programming there, Rawdon. Um, one of the things that Brod's alluded to was an extended butter zone, but the mm. just the general manipulation of intensity and volume over the course of a miso soup. Yes. Um, we've been playing around with... <laughs> we've got a black hawk down in here. We've been playing around with uh, some hypertrophy systems of our own. Yes. Coming together with, uh, I guess, a combined... A blank canvas and a fresh mindset looking at, uh, you know, let's look at these factors that we know drive hypertrophy. Mm. Let's think about the elements that make a good program in terms of engagement in the process, yes. uh, what can practically be applied, mm. and let's make some cool um, some cool hypertrophy training systems in, in you know, under-the-bar fashion. We are, yeah. We're going to combine, uh, combine two 
Well, I mean, probably two not so great minds, and try and come up with one great mind. <laughs> yes. Yours and mine combined, we'll yes. come up with one mind that's that's yeah. worthy of a, a Cameron Menegoni, yeah. Club Menegoni. But we're going to, yeah, basically, what you know with hypertrophy program, what you've mm. seen work in the trenches, what I've seen work in in, in my demographic. We're going to meet somewhere in the middle. Yep. We're going to get a, you know, the the duration of the mesocycle will be something that that's, a, a, you know, if you if you traditionally do three or four week uh, mesocycles, we're going to, yeah. We're we're not going to give you four, but yeah. we're not going to do eight that Rawdon does. We're going to yeah. need somewhere. We won't give too much away, but we're going to a, a practical length uh, duration for the mesocycle. We're going to have, you know, different different weeks will be um, dictated by different sort of uh, volumes. We'll, yes. we'll, we'll characterize the volumes. We're going to have some some. Uh, we'll have a couple of uh, streams of, of of programs in each mesocycle. Yes, uh, we'll have one that's a, a hypertrophy uh, focus. Which has a, a, a I guess, a, an escalating volume throughout the mesocycle, and we're also going to have uh, uh, calories. Will also be we're not going to give macros, but we're going to give a calorie target, energy you prescription, got, energy mm. prescription. You guys work out. You know, we'll have a bit of. Uh, I think we agreed we'll have some pre. Uh, pre-material so record some stuff we're going to have some guidelines with protein intakes and what we recommend you guys work out your calories but we're going to tell you where we think you should throw your calories for each week of the mesocycle and it'll be an evolution evolution over i think we're going to go for about 24 weeks so we'll have yeah won't say how many meso soups we're going to have but we're going to have about six months worth of programming a hypertrophy line uh, of of programming but yep. also going to have a fat loss so if you if hypertrophy is not your thing or you want to start maybe with fat loss and then go to hypertrophy See. you can do that yes but what we're going to do is have uh so the calorie prescriptions or energy prescription caloric intake will be different for each uh, each each arm of the mm-hmm. of the program under the bar uh training system so yes. fat loss that energy will come down volume won't titrate up yes so we're going to tick a few boxes with the the hypertrophy and each arm will have three fingers yep there'll be an upper body specialization mm. lower body specialization or a nice even spread Full for the body, total, yep. total body and what i think is really cool and i'm looking forward to is we'd like to create a little educational platform that yeah. will go along with each yeah. uh, miso soup so yeah. basically you'll get a more detailed breakdown of the energy prescription yep. how to actually execute the program itself yep. and some general education on hypertrophy you know look, yeah. let's go a little deeper into what's actually going on yeah. with a myofibrial how yep. you're actually growing what's going to what you're going to experience over yep. the course of the program yeah yeah definitely so, and also we're going to talk cover exercise induced muscle damage all the all the cool stuff talk about tempos talk mm. about um you know range of motion all these things to give you the best uh chance possible to you know, put as much muscle mass as you possibly can over the this six month duration but yes. uh, and i think we're going we agreed we're going to do uh we're going to cram everything that you need in a four uh four day split so we're going to give you a couple yes. of days rest so it's not going to be a dubois method six days of six or seven days a week training we're going to meet somewhere in the middle because yeah. we figure most of you guys and girls out there you know some can commit to five some to six but uh, but you know not everyone can do that that amount of volume with mm. the, with with business and everything else. But but we find that uh, four is that uh, you know meet somewhere in the middle. Like you should at least be able to get to the gym four times a week. So there'll be slightly longer pretty meaty sessions. workouts. There'll be meaty yeah. workouts. But we guarantee we'll get you enough uh, volume to to, to grow mm. uh, maximally over those six weeks. Well, over <laughs> the the miso soup blocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, but all jokes aside, yeah, we, we're gonna tick as many boxes as we possibly can to make it 
uh, fit in with 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 everyone's uh, current structure mm-hmm. and uh, and ho- hopefully you guys um, if you are coaches and, and, and PTs alike you know you get a bit of an insight into how we do things and uh, why we do it that way so um, like you said Tommy um, at, at the start uh, you know a bit of an educational uh, platform that will be delivered on rather than mm. okay here's your here's your Excel doc thanks pay, pay the money um, and we'll also have some some early bird uh, options there as yeah. well so we'll get some uh, promo material up on social media soon yeah. uh, outlining what it's gonna what's gonna be involved but cool super excited about that so that's that um, obviously we waited with bated breath uh, mm. on that one mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. now for the uh, broads Broderick Chavez evil genius down under product which we played yep. the sample from you can go and collect your free module of that at evil genius down under uh, dot com. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, do they get the free module? It, but they got to buy it. They get what? No, that's free. No, no, you just listen. Yeah, to it. you just get the free oh, module. We have free stuff away for free, nothing. That's right. What yeah. the hell? <laughs> free stuff away for nothing. Well, free stuff for nothing. <laughs> Man, this is unheard <laughs> of, huh? Uh, hit us with your rhythm sticks, please, Cam. Right, uh, okay. Coach Jake Carter coming up yeah. in just a few seconds. Now, the interesting thing with this was, Rod, and it was yes, very this is early. funny. Like 4 a.m. This is funny. 4 a.m. or something that he had to be up in in the morning to conduct yeah. this interview. And I think he was uh, up even earlier to get ready. Yeah, so we're ridiculously... Because he's in the UK, for, yeah. for anyone that doesn't know. He's over in the UK. And he was, yeah. tell me the time I'll be there. And then we had to push it even earlier. And I sent him the message saying, hey, man, I'm really <laughs> sorry about this. We're going to have to go a little bit earlier. It'll be like 4 a.m. for you. Is that or whatever it was. And he's like, yeah, no worries, man. I'll just... Uh, you're going to describe what he, yeah. what, he, what he planned to do. Well, he basically... Uh, we were talking pre-interview and he's like, yep, no, man, I'm okay. I've had a couple of coffees. I've had yeah. a modafinil. And there were um, some aminos and I think he threw some other witch been. doctory in there, yeah. some voodoo magic that he that he does. But, but it's quite about 20 minutes into the interview. and we're So it's the modafinil that we're yeah. referencing here for yeah. our listeners. Tom will relive an experience of Medafinil yeah. shortly. But so about 20 minutes in, into the interview, he um, you can it drops, it lands, <laughs> and it's quite it's quite yeah. noticeable, which is very funny. But interestingly enough, Rudin, and I have spoken about this in the past, but mm. my initial experience with Medafinil yeah. was let's quickly was relive it one horrific. last time, just very quickly. Look, I didn't do any research. <laughs> no. I had um, well, that's more like the TDM way. Yeah, jump in balls deep. I just took uh, and I'd been travelling and I'd got home from Burma. And uh, I thought, yep, okay, I'm gonna get two yeah. weeks productive before I'm going back let's to work. Switch the mind Let, on. Let's be productive. So it was, you know, it was late in the morning, like 10 a.m. Oh, boom, rookie error. Dump a 200 mil- milligram modafinil tablet. Mm. Went and got a th- triple shot coffee or yeah, something. Yeah, boom. I'm gonna attack this yeah. this work volume. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> and I had I had this 40 minute window of crystal clear well, this you know, is so good productivity this is amazing and then i got distracted by something on <laughs> on the bed and then I, and I had 20 minutes of that and then i got 20 minutes distracted by cleaning out my oh, closet and then geez. i basically spent the the next few hours being in these cycles of yeah. mini productivity and no. tiny little useless things useless. and then it turned into this horrific anxiety that something mm. was wrong yeah you know, that something, and something was something was wrong something and, was. And, and i just systems couldn't, i couldn't escape it and so then i got on and started googling what, oh. what, what have i actually done here don't and google I, tom yeah you know, 15 hour half-life and i go oh my god how long <laughs> i'm gonna have to ride this out for <laughs> it turned into the, a, a really horrific experience yeah since yeah. then, I have revisited, yeah. and um, recently, over the last couple of months or so, I have been using some <laughs> oh uh, armadafinil, which right. is a, a new and improved version of mm. the modafinil. Modafinil was is a drug, a pharmaceutical created for it's people, cutical. I think, originally with narcolepsy. 
So basically, well, if you fall, I got tested for that. Remember, <laughs> I know back you did. At, back at the back where we won't mention yeah. where we worked. <laughs> yeah, like uh, when you used to talk to me, I, yeah. I'd have micro sleeps. You'd have micro sleeps. Modafinil could, could have been handy for you back then, mm, but mm. that's what it's for. But it is uh, it is noted as a smart drug these days. But um, I, I started at a very low dose of the armadafinil, which has a slightly longer half life and is slightly more potent. But um, 30 milligrams thereabouts worked my my way up to a, mm. you know, a 70, 100, 150 milligram, and it is very, very effective. Mm. What I would say, and this is something that um, I think the psychedelic community has been very big on for a long time, uh, is yeah. to pay attention to set and setting. You know, if you're yeah. going to take some sort of mind-altering drug, <laughs> you know, doing it in a, so if, in a random place with random people, yeah. if you're someone who's predisposed to a bit of anxiety mm. or, As you know, you you've are. been through a bad period of time or whatever, is not a wise choice of action. So pay attention to the setting that you're taking the mm. drug mm. and the set. What are you emotionally and psychologically bringing to the experience, okay? Mm. Modafinil is a mind-altering drug. Mm. It's not, uh, not going to produce vivid hallucinations like a psychedelic mm. but it does put you in a certain mind space it's very mm. left brain mm. and my advice would be is to create a really productive setting the yeah. night before Neat. P- plan your day yeah. get everything organized know very specifically what yep. you want to achieve with your work take pen, the paper pen paper list c- glass computer of water. everything ready yep. take the drug early in the morning because it has a very long half-life mm. it lasts a long time mm. and also think about the psychology you bring into it as well if you have a girlfriend or a loved one, maybe let them know that you'll be taking this drug. Mm. It's going to make me very left brain focused, mm. and I'm not going to be into kissing and cuddling yeah. or talking about you yeah. know life and TDM. love and that kind of stuff. You know, mm. it's it, it's quite a you sort of disassociate, detach, detach a little bit, and yeah. you become very self centered. So it's it's worth worthwhile to be aware of that as well. Mm. So mm. It's interesting, and of yeah. course that's not to be confused <laughs> with the sodanafil. S- <laughs> uh, you can take that, and then the misses they might be uh, there's Viagra. So oh. Yes, if you course. go a couple of a couple of those, you'll be fine. So yeah. don't confuse that with the modafinil. Your productivity. <laughs> well, you'd be productive, <laughs> but you better hope the missus is around. Otherwise, yeah. you know, red red lobster uh, lobster tube will be on and uh, <laughs> oops, you know, wrong, oops hole. wrong hole. You know, yeah. you work, work on all sorts of stuff. But yeah. uh, very funny. Okay. Anyway, let's go to uh, Coach Jake Flanagan. And it's about twenty minutes in for our listeners. Yeah. Just, just listen just to the it, 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 not so many breaks in comments. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's got a million funny. things to rattle off. We actually had a chuckle about it. It was very funny. Uh, okay, Coach Jake Carter, part one, coming your way. Well, Rawdon, as mentioned, our very special guest, mm. Coach Jake Carter, mm. is uh, on the show and on the line. And um, it's very, very early in the morning over there, 4.30 a.m. And he's actually just waiting for a little bit of uh, modafinil to, uh, to, well, to hit the system. Mate, that, that and everything else. He, he rattled off the, the <laughs> concoction. I, I sort of shuddered to think. Uh, I hope it all goes uh, well for him when it all kicks in in a couple of minutes' time. But yeah. absolute pleasure to have him on the line. Mate, I'm looking forward to this interview because um, I guess it's something we addressed in the early days but we haven't been down the functional path for, for quite a while the uh, voodoo path we call that Tom <laughs> yeah. the voodoo path the witch doctory the witch doctory but has its place and we haven't uh, really explored gut health for a while either no. so it's an exciting tangent for us to take and something that we both um, place a lot of value upon yeah look we, we're well aware of it and um, I think what we uh, we sort of with our practices our nutritional setup and stuff like that sort of takes care of to a degree the, the gut health side of things but it is something that uh, I mean we've had James Carn, IFBB Pro in 
Cohen here. He gave a, a, a big talk. You know, he's very passionate about gut mm. health. But, he, you know, when you break it down, he, he sort of gets all the basics right. But I think uh, Jake uh, today, when we get him on, when we finally stop talking and let him talk, <laughs> he'll uh, he's going to go uh, well and truly balls deep into the gut and... Yeah. Uh, and uh, give it really, 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 really break it down for us. Yeah. But uh, really excited yeah. to be Thanks for your time, Jake. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. Mate, can you give us, uh, give the listener a bit of a, a breakdown as to, well, we're just talking off air actually, and your career's taking some exciting turns, but yeah. can you fill in the blanks and give us a bit of a, a quick flash through your um, progression through the industry? Sure. Um, well, I guess it really started back when I was about 15. I was working as a, 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 a like what is it, a fitness trainer uh, in a gym, and that was that was the kind of like off the books because I wasn't even qualified then. Yeah. And uh, because of that, I decided to ditch my A levels, start working in a gym, and then um, I was lucky enough to find a contact, which basically put me onto the last level of a PT course again through college. So I started PTing at the age of 16 and um, persevered with it. Uh, because um, initially I got injured and uh, I suffered, uh, well at the age of 16 I think it was a bulge disc in L3, 4 and L4, 5 and this really prevented me from looking the part so there's a big psychological effect there, you know, I'm 16, I'm running a self-employed business I'm against some big motherfuckers which look yeah. sick and uh, there's like a 16 year old skinny kid mm -hmm. so I thought, right, how could I stand aside and have a difference here what could I do and I, I, I started to find uh, nutrition and in doing so I could also help remediate a lot of my inflammatory problems you know I started to learn about gluten I learned about curcumin and I started following this and I started to get better and then it happened again roughly six months after the um, the recovery of the injury I uh, had a slap tear on my shoulder so again I buried myself deeper into the nutritional realms studying podcasts, courses, and it eventually led to me going through the, the roles of being a team leader and then educating nationally for um, a company within the UK uh, at the age of 19. And yet, gradually pushed more and more, and um, it's, it's, it's led to the, the, uh, the point where last year I was um, teaching with um, Thibodeau in France. I've done a couple of seminars myself in France and Belgium, uh, obviously throughout the UK. But this year I decided to really go for my passion, go for my dreams and put all my energy and effort into education. So I, I now don't work in a gym. I, I study every day. I have online clients. I do mentorships. And I've just released my new series of seminars, Functional Nutrition, with the first module being Gut Health. So that yeah. kind of brings us up from uh, ground zero to now, really. And, and then we'll just jump in there, Tommy, and say uh, from that skinny little, uh, you know, 16-year-old with a, with a bulging disc, you know, looking at your uh, uh, Facebook profile now, you've certainly done well uh, transforming that physique. Uh, over what time frame? I mean, you know, obviously in, in amazing shape. And I think uh, before we went to air, you, you're six weeks out from another photo shoot. Um, yeah. What sort of time frame is that? Where? You, uh, how long ago was 16? Like, what? Uh, how old are you now, mate? Okay, uh, I'm 24. Decent transformation, mate. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I think it's pleasing that, um, or it makes sense now that the path that you've taken because you've actually had to been through the process of applying 
functional nutrition to, yeah. to heal yourself and you felt the the benefits of dealing with inflammation and all this kind of stuff so it's uh, you know pleasing that obviously you're walking the walk yeah practicing what yeah. you preach for sure so I think it would be interesting just to get started with Jake with some of the way you structure your, your seminars it kind of starts with this addressing the dysfunctional environment that we find ourselves in more broadly as a population so do you want to just expand on that concept and, and what you're trying to get across there sure so Unfortunately, in the world what we currently live in, we have inverted values. So we'd much rather spend money on a, a, a nice car or designer clothes than actually spend money on quality food. And there's this uh, big stigma really to eating organic, but this is the way what we should be eating. Because if we look at just a strawberry, for instance, studies have shown that there can be up to 64 different chemicals which shouldn't be there. And then we look at uh, other toxins like DDT, and we find that it's um, been found in uh, Inuit breast milk, you know, which is being fed to the baby, then we could look at the soil erosion, and mm. and it's got to the point now that the, there was a study, I think the study was done in 2001, um, so it's, it's slowly becoming more and more dated, but in Europe, the soil erosion, the mineral content was down by 72%, but I understand we're now um, incorporating certain chemicals into the soil to, to increase the soil's retention of minerals but it, it does so um, on such a strong scale it actually keeps that retention of those minerals in the soil and then stops the plants from even getting them so they can pass the um, the regulations to say look i've got soil fit for growing but yeah. it's, it's keeping all that those minerals in it's actually preventing it from getting to the plant and then we could even look at the uh, antibiotics you know we understand that over 80 percent produced are actually used on livestock so this is so the livestock can start to increase the weight and they get more weight gain and the, the farmers get more money but then we we look at the gut and we understand okay well if if they're taking antibiotics on a on a daily basis then how are they actually going to be digesting and assimilating that food? How are they going to be getting nutrients? How are they going to be able to mitigate the stress cascade effectively or inflammation? And that leads to a poor quality of livestock. And therefore, how can we even get health from something which was even unhealthy in the first place? So, you know, there's, there's, a, there's an absolute multitude of different factors going into place here. I mean, we're perpetually living in a state of jet lag because we go to sleep late and then we wake up late and that affects a biosecading rhythm you know we make poor uh, food choices because we have 24 7 access to low-grade pro-inflammatory foods such as um i'll not say any names <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you, you know you, you get the gist yeah, yeah yeah fascinating point there and um i mean it's it's sort of like um you know when you get exposed to something over and over and over you just get numb to it and just accept it as as the normality and and feeling a certain way the aches and pains the yeah my joints are inflamed or you know i'm always bloated but yeah that's just just normal um you know is is that the case in this situation do you think there is that in uh, inherent quality of of life that's sort of to a degree across the board deteriorating somewhat but we're not necessarily aware of it because we're just used to it Yes, definitely. I mean, everything what your body does, it's a signal. You know, it's, your body's really clever and it tries to communicate to you on a daily basis. So it sends out these visual, uh, physiological biofeedback markers. So people associate bags under the eyes to, oh, you've had a poor night's sleep. It's not necessarily a poor night's sleep. It could be adrenal insufficiency. So you get that from having a poor night's sleep, you know. So we, yeah. we kind of understand these, but there's, there's 
such a broad spectrum that we're just potting up with you know these for instance like the aches and the pains this shouldn't be there if you go up to someone you say okay please can you point to your bad knee chances are they're going to point to one of them you know because they're just putting up with it but this is a suboptimal standard of living you know why should we be dealing with this we we have one life so why should we accept that it's dysfunctional or we have aches and pains just because the majority in society do we shouldn't no, I completely agree. Yeah, look, it's a it's a big one. I mean, you could take a real tangent and, and explore the benefits of moving back to a more archaic lifestyle and living off the land and mm. how that would affect your psychology and all kinds of things. But we're, we're dealt with the, the hands that we've got at the moment. Yep. I mean, Jake, what do you think the capacity of the human body is to cope with the environment that we're putting into now, all these pesticides and all these chemicals on the strawberry and that kind of stuff? I mean, mm. the... The liver seems to be doing a reasonably good job of, of processing these, you know, detoxifying these things. But how much how much stress do you think we're really putting ourselves under? Oh, it's a, I, I would personally say it's unmeasurable because we have no uh, full understanding of what our new environment is. You know, we're, we're maladapted to our new environment and it's forever changing. If we go back 200 years, there wasn't TVs, there wasn't non-native electromagnetic frequencies. We didn't have even social media which impressionates um, perfectionism or social pressure or this different lifestyle which therefore creates changes in the emotional well-being and the psychology there. I mean, that's a completely different avenue what we're not even going down. But in terms of the the physiological state, you know, I mean, there's, there's studies where they got mice exposed to non-native electromagnetic frequencies and they found that the testosterone dropped with no changes to luteinizing hormone. And in female mice, they found that there was an increased uh, level of birth abnormalities and miscarriages. This is just non-native electromagnetic frequency. So this is that voodoo shit, which Mm. people don't really know about. And it can do that to the endocrine system of mice. Yeah, fair enough, I get their mice. But let's try it out on humans and see what happens. Because then we understand, right, what is modern day living? Modern day living is, we've got our phones in our pockets, okay, that's got 4G, got Mm. Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, whatever, you know. We go training, we have Bluetooth headphones. We go to sleep, we leave the Wi-Fi on. We live in, the majority in cities live in high-rise buildings, which means there's a multitude of different people's Wi-Fi is what you're exposed to. And not just that, but you're not even grounded effectively. I mean, this is just the non-native electromagnetic frequency side. And then we could even look, okay, what about the food what we're eating? What about the stress what we're having? What about the, the sleep what we're not getting? You know, and it's just, to me personally, unmeasurable. This is why it's important to do as much as we possibly can, because there's no way of knowing what we're actually doing to our body, because it's it's almost as if each day is a new variable mm. tell me jake um from the outside looking in uh it seems it seems like we're becoming more and more unhealthy there's more and more issues with obesity yeah granted that could be a food consumption thing but pe- they're doing it for a reason there seems to be every second person and, and no disrespect to anyone that's been affected by it but there seems to be someone dying from cancer like it like a, when i was younger it was you know, like maybe once or twice, someone lost lost someone that they knew. But now it seems like every everyone is exposed by, you know, ill health and 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 cancers and, and whatnot. Do you think that the environment that you're just describing? I mean, you just described there some certainly in mouse studies that how just the uh, the electromagnetic um, 
radiation is contributing to things, but that combined with everything else, and that is just the tip of the iceberg. Do you think it it is a, a, a blanketly, uh, you know, impacting the overall health uh, health as a, a as a race, so mm. to speak? Yes, absolutely. You know, it's completely unquestionable because we we, we look at um, how many Westerners, typically, like if you look at America, uh, have digestive uh, related symptoms, and it's seventy percent. And this kind of correlates, you know, if, if we consume the standard American diet just for four weeks, we have increased endotoxemia by above 70%. So you can see the correlation there. I mean, and if we have this, this, these gut health related issues, then we, we're going to have mismanaged inflammation. We're going to have an impaired immune response. Yeah. And just by looking at the gut, that's going to affect the health of the individual and then we can even look at there's, there's the correlation between vaccinations and autism you know so look i want to give your, your child a vaccination so it doesn't get the flu but there's a high chance it's going to get autism you know it's like mm. come on like what are we doing mm. interesting i think what you've said there jake about uh how rapidly the world has changed over 200 years and mm. we haven't had time for all those things to manifest and so we don't know one thing I think science is pretty universal with these days, and we alluded to it there, is that the health of the gut controls so much of the overall global health of the human being. So when someone comes in, invariably, I can't think of a person who hasn't had some sort of gut issue or currently has a gut issue. Where do you start when you're working with the client in, in addressing, assessing gut health and then initially addressing the issue? Okay, so... I like to use a variance of different screening tools, okay? So I, I, if, if possible, I, I love to use lab work. And just as a basic, I, I, I do get people to do a um, complete blood panel, a, pump, a complete blood count. Uh, because again, this can give you a lot of insight just by looking at this. You know, if someone has low B12, possibly low HCL. If someone has low iron, possibly biofilm. You know, if basophils or zonophils are up, maybe there's a bacterial infection going on. So it can give you a lot to, to kind of work with and it gives you their current norm. And I, I, I predominantly go off subjective questions because there's a, um, a famous functional medicine quote saying it's more important, uh, more important to understand the disease the patient has. Uh, sorry, it's more important to understand the patient than the disease the patient has. Okay, and, and you can flip this around and use it in the kind of PT world and say it's more important to understand the client than the goal the client has. Yes. And and it's, it, we have to understand it on a subjective scale, you know. And these subjective questions, they can give pretty damn good accuracy as to what's going on. And it doesn't even have to be quest questions. It could be based on TCM. Uh, traditional Chinese medicine, meridian lines, you could do muscle activation, and we've got these uh, visual biofeedback markers. But I heavily go off, off certain questions and a profiling system I've devised over the year. And um, I, I, I like to screen people initially on the gut health and that breaks it down into you know the microbiome, bio, HCL, small intestines, um, and then I'll assess them on insulin function and then morning cortisol and evening cortisol on these subjective biofeedback questions and again yes I understand the subjective it doesn't mean they're accurate but it's a potential correlation you know mm. and if you have a lot flagging up that's where you prioritize and nine times out of ten it starts with the gut and then probably one times out of ten it starts with stress affecting the gut because mm, yes. of the state of sympathetic dominance decreasing the, the parasympathetic response 
And when you take them through these questions, Jake, do you is this a questionnaire that they fill out, or are you there with the yeah, person taking them face. through it and, and actually? Because sometimes people don't know that they just assume what they have is normal, and they don't actually exactly. don't distinct from the two. Exactly. So I used to send it out, but. Uh, now I, I actually do it over an initial consultation where I'll talk them through it and that, that way I can you know, dig a little bit deeper if something's flagging up and if there's nothing's really flagging up in the section, we don't have to go over it. So we can really refine uh, and get as much detail from this individual as possible because I want to understand them inside out, literally. You know, Because the more I know, the more I can work with, the more I can optimize and make the plans bespoke and work to not just improve their health, but as a byproduct, an improved physique or performance okay okay that's where i'm gonna go uh because i'm all about the numbers tommy and yeah, yeah cool this gut health general health yeah pfft, you know what's gonna get them uh, shredded <laughs> ass and jacked as you know what uh tell me uh two points do you find uh jake that, that pretty much across the board everyone has some gut related issue and then secondly um is it a big game changer like when we when you do uh, rectify to a degree their, their gut related issues are you then seeing a, a, a correlation are you getting a return on your investment because you know my understanding of, of, of the gut it can be tricky and a, a lot of um, process of elimination it can take time and I'm all for doing that if, it, if it's going to put an extra inch on my calf or you know my biceps going to get a bit of peak on it or I'm going to walk around an extra couple of kilos heavier with a, a leaner physique like Aside from general health and, 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 and longevity and those types of things, which are absolutely reasons in themselves to fix the gut, are you seeing, a, a, when you do address it, you know, a direct correlation with, with, with body composition and, and improvement in performance, like you mentioned? Yeah, I mean, we, we know there's a bi-directional link between gut health and body composition. Yeah. So we can look at the studies, and again, they're done on mice. But there was one study where they transplanted gut bacteria from an obese mice to a lean mice, okay? And this led to a 60% increase in body fat, and after 14 days, it developed insulin resistance. And then we could look at the flip side, and there was a different study, and I can send you these through later. Um, they actually seeded uh, a mice with the bacteria from a lean one, and this actually led to that, that mice, which become seeded with the lean mice's um, uh, bacteria, becoming more resilient to developing obesity. You know, right. and, and then we then we look at humans, okay? Because yeah, fair enough, we say that's mice, and we could actually look at the stool samples of obese individuals and those of which are of a healthy weight, and we find that there's actually increased levels of firmicutes and decreased levels of bacteriodites in obese individuals. And then we can question, okay, why is that? So we understand that the firmicutes help us digest fat by raising the lipid droplets and proportionally increasing the fatty acid absorption. And th this is why the, it's, it's more common in uh, Europeans um, because the first uh, settlers needed to be able to digest fat better so they could survive brutal winters. But because we're digesting fat better, we've got a higher risk of obesity because we've got an increased calorie absorption, whereas on the flip side, the bacteriodites, which are decreased, we're not as efficient at digesting fat. You know, so this, this is just looking at the individual from being lean and obese and looking at just how their stool can affect it. But then there's an absolute broad fucking range of stuff which we can look at. You know, we can look at 
okay, for, for training performance and body composition, we can go into neurotransmitters because mm. we know, right, for, for, if we can train better in the gym, yep. we're going to have a better outcome, right? So Definitely. we understand that 66% are produced within the gut, right? So mm. these, these uh, neurotransmitters, the chemical brain messengers, that's, that's a lot produced there. So if the gut's dysfunctional, if we have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, if we have parasites, if it's inflamed, this will be hindered and this will be decreasing our efficiency, our performance. And then, okay, we understand serotonin, we need that for, um, you know, for happiness, yep. and, but we also need it for satiety and we also need it for re relaxation. And we understand 95% is produced within the gut as well. So if we have a down-regulated digestive system, we, we're gonna have a decreased ability to recover effectively. And then we look at melatonin, okay, and it was previously believed that um, the, the majority of melatonin was produced in the pineal gland. However, 400% more is actually produced within the mucosa of our digestive system. And this is the neurotransmitter which gets us to sleep. So yeah. if we sleep better, we recover harder. And we can only train as hard as we can recover, really. You know, it mm, dictates definitely. our response. Because it's the training which initiates it, but it's the recovery which augments that process, what we so much desire. Yes. And we could even look into the bacterial strain. So we understand lactobacillus increases acetylcholine. Now, acetylcholine, yes, that's going to give you more cognition and it's going to give you better memory and attentiveness, but it also works well to buffer norepinephrine because it works synergistically with it. So we can have what some people class as um, a decreased chance of central nervous system fatigue, CNS fatigue. Some studies are now stating that it's neuromuscular junction fatigue. However, the more ACH we have, the, the increased training um, volume we can do and also it assists with muscle contractions yeah and then we could even go to bifidobacterium you know we're going to have more GABA so again we're going to have better quality sleep we're going to have better recovery I mean th this is just looking at neurotransmitters we can go yes. down the route of you know HCL so this has been popularized okay and we will understand right HCL is essential for protein absorption mm -hmm. so if we are hypochloritic we are not digesting and assimilating our protein effectively. So everyone who wants to put on muscle, it's like protein, protein, protein. Well, how much that protein you're putting into your body are you actually using? And then we can take a step aside from the actual the assimilation of protein and understand, okay, HCL is also essential to assimilate zinc. Now, mm -hmm. what do we need zinc for? Well, fuck me, we need it for like what? Like it's nearly 300 things. different enzymes within the body. We, we need it to produce luteinizing hormones to trigger the Leydig cells to produce testosterone. Mm -hmm. We need it for IGF-1 bioavailability. We, we need it for an absolute range of different functions with our body. It's an essential nutrient. Mm -hmm. And then we look at B12, okay? So B12, we, we can't produce intrinsic factor if we have low HCL, which is required to assimilate B12, and this is gonna have effect again on neurotransmitters and your uh, methylation process and again everything else which ties into it it's not just it's not just a local effect but mm. a local effect is like a, a ripple in a pond and has a global effect yeah. you know, and we could even go go down like the route of I'm go, I, do you mind if I carry on? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, can yeah. Can I carry on speaking? Or do you want to, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think we can just we can tell Jake that that um, yeah. the modafinil has landed. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. Bombs away. <laughs> Bombs away. But I was actually just going to take yeah. you back to the uh, the study on the on the rats and the gut bacteria correlation with body fat and and ask you and you, you alluded to it then that maybe there's greater actual caloric absorption from the food that you oh. eat with the wrong. Um, bacteria, but is the bacteria driving? Is it? Is there a physiology there that you are actually, if they 
consume the same amount of calories, they're actually ending up with more body fat as a result of the bacteria, or is it yes. driving behavioral change, which makes them eat more food? Like what, what's actually going on there? No, it's, it's, we actually absorb more calories from the food. Yeah. Okay. And the flip side to this, we look at resistant starch. So if we could consume more resistant starch, well, first of all, resistant starch can cut down the calorie content of that carbohydrate by up to 50%, but then that can increase butyrate acid. Now, butyrate acid increases GLP-1, glucagon-like peptide 1, and that can actually uh, in, uh, give you more satiety. Mm. You know, yeah. So we can look at the microbiome, and it can either work in favor or against us. It can work in both ways. It goes yeah. both ways. Yeah. So with the microbiome itself then, Jake, I mean, what, what are the, the aspects of... You know, if someone comes in, you run your test, you've got a few things to work on. Yeah, there's at, a few issues there. Where yeah, do you start? At some point, they've got to change what they eat or supplement. So what what, what kind of paths and, and tools well, are you Well, tell using? me, chicken or the egg, do you start the supplement or do you change the food? Yeah, exactly. Let's find out. Exactly. Well, again, it's um, important to understand them and see what's really going on. Because if they do have low HCL, then they're going to have poor regulation over parasitic control over what's coming in from the food. So... I always like to, okay, if, if, let's, let's say some individuals suffering from IBS, okay, that's a big key red flag there for someone's got SIBO. If someone has loose stools, if someone has pain on the left side of the rib cage, if someone suffers from dry skin, bloating, if they crave carbohydrates, if they have bad breath, if they have a, a mucosal film on their tongue, these are all signs that there's some SIBO going on a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and an mm-hmm. imbalance in the microbiome. So we understand, right. We need to first of all address it. We need to go in and wipe that shit out. So we need to, yes, we look at the food. We, we say, unfortunately, depending on the severity, you know, if someone's only got a couple issues, we say, look, we're going to reduce your carbohydrate intake to about 100 grams. Mm-hmm. But just because these bacteria feed and become yeah. more pro- proliferant off carbs. So we yeah. want to cut off their food source, you know. So we're going to do that. And uh, preferably, we want the more fast digesting foods because. It doesn't give chance for fermentation of those carbohydrates within the gut, so the bacteria can't produce more of it. And then um, sometimes I may reduce protein down ever so slightly just to reduce the ammonia, what we can get from a buildup within our gut, which can also lead to issues with the microbiome. And um, you know, I'd, I'd like to have a broad range of polyphenols just to help with the regulation there, but also antimicrobial nutrients like um, oregano or thyme, especially using the fresh herbs, you know. Many people go for these these dried versions, but using the fresh ones will have such an impact. And then we can look at coconut oil, because I mean, just in coconut oil alone, it's got caprylic acid, monolaurin, and lauric acid, and this can actually help break down the membrane of candida. So we start to implement okay. more of the smart foods, you know, and we could implement some manuka honey as well. And then in terms of supplements, we we want to again probably fortify this effect with antimicrobial nutrients it depends on what they're really suffering with but let's say if someone's got a long-standing gut related issue there's a very high chance that there's been a biofilm produced here and basically um can you remember star wars right you know ages ago this is how i imagine biofilm like you know under the water and there's jar jar binks and he's got his little force field kind of like city under the water Mm. that's how i imagine it right because biofilm is this 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 complex cellular matrix uh, and the, the, the specific cellular matrix is called quorum sensing and it, it, it requires a great level of orchestration to withhold itself but by doing so it protects the bacteria so if someone's got long-standing gut related issues 
then you want to address this biofilm with maybe something like EDTA or chitosan or N-acetylcysteine. But now with N-acetylcysteine, we understand that's a sulfur-containing amino acid, and that could cause agitation to the gut if someone's sensitive to FODMAPs. So, you know, we would probably go down more the route of the proteolytic enzymes and, and the broader uh, range enzymes there, just to help degrade this quorum synthesis signaling, so we could actually break down the biofilm and then address the bacteria inside. You know, and a big factor is iron. You know, if we look in a blood panel and we see, okay, someone's got IBS, someone's got uh, gut-related issues and their iron is low, there's a high chance that this biofilm's using this iron to fortify itself. So then we'd actually want to use something like lactoferrin to um, bind onto the iron to increase our absorption of it, to decrease the biofilm from actually utilizing it. Well, I mean, yeah. Rodan, this is why you actually need to get someone who knows what they're talking about when yeah. you're dealing with guys. No, mate, just take a probiotic. <laughs> take a probiotic, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. up, up your fiber intake. Yeah, there are so many channels you could take it. But I, I was interested uh, there, Jake, what you said about with the with the SIBO, the small mm-hmm. intestinal mm-hmm. bacterial yeah. overgrowth. Starve it off, Tommy. Starve it off, but, starve um, it. Yeah. but uh, well, you know, wanna, starve it off with fast carbs, fun. which I found was a, an interesting... A low amount of fast carbs. Low amount of fast carbs. So what kind of... You mentioned the manuka honey there, but what other sort of fast carbs? fall into that nice category for you sure i mean um fruits thinsian fruits again they've been kind of like bastardized um you know but but like if we look at pineapple that contains bromelain bromelain is a protein digestive enzyme right but if we look at parasite eggs well if we have more bromelain then we can break down these eggs you know so pineapple is a great one to use manuka honey is good and then uh, if we are going to i uh, usually I'd start with those you know thin skin fruits manuka honey maybe even um uh, some um, organic maple syrup if the individual isn't sensitive to it and then after that i'd go more for white rice yeah and uh, nice i'd and do it i do it that way okay cool very good Well, I mean, you can tell, Rawdon, that um, one of those functional nutritional uh, nutrition seminars would be great value yeah. with Coach Carter. Mm. Um, I think Passionate. The f- yeah, the first topic in his level one is actually our dysfunctional environment. When mm. he goes through a lot of the stuff he was talking about at the start there, but when you think about it, how maladapted we are to such a new environment. You know, we've only been living this way for, uh, in the you know, course of human evolution, a very finite period mm. of time, and there's a lot of toxicity and uh especially with the soil there that he was talking about there yes so they tested it's like yep good thumbs up yeah mate it's cool plenty of minerals in your soil you know problem but uh that's a bit of a bit of a lie none of it gets into the actual plants um now he finished off talking about the SIBO and the fast carbs there i thought was interesting Mm. bit of manuka honey and fruit uh and that's manuka honey very have you had that yes medicinal yeah beautiful love it you know (laughs) I think it's really nice. So he'll be back next week for part two. Um, he's going to talk about fiber, uh-huh. about gluten, yeah. about dairy. Yeah. Uh, well, 70%? Yeah. 70% of people with the uh, digestion. Yes. Or digestive issues. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, plant proteins, you know, yep. estrogens, all this kind of stuff. So okay. well worth. Really uh, covering everything, this yeah, guy. Yeah. Covers the spread really, really nicely. Okay. Uh, cool. CoachJCarter.com to find out more about him. Uh, EvilGeniusDownUnder.com to get the uh, free module from Brod. May as well go there. Free for nothing. Yeah, free for nothing. Free for nothing. <laughs> that <laughs> is amazing. Yeah. Huh? Who Check it thought? out and see what you think. 
and and uh, um, and our our UTB <laughs> September. <laughs> yeah. Woo! Let's do it. <laughs> <Woo>! hey, <laughs> round of applause for the UTB training systems coming yeah. at ya. We got to do it now. Yeah, we got to do it. Okay, have a lovely day. Thank you for your download, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Cam.